Welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom, an honest and fun body positive podcast by me, Anne-Marie Miles. Are you struggling with your weight? Do you wish that you didn't think about food so often? Are there days when you'd wrestle a toasted sandwich off an alligator? Well then, this might just be the podcast for you. I share my story, a lifelong battle with weight, food and mental health struggles. I share it alongside some of my writing on the subject and some of the wisdom I've gleaned from my life as a Christian. So join me for this week's episode of Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. Hello there and welcome to this week's edition of Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. Have you missed me? Oh my goodness, I've had two weeks of being voiceless and ill and full of cold and oh my goodness and I thought no there was no point I mean I sounded like honestly that I've been chewing on gravel and I just couldn't I was just too sick and thank you so much I did have a couple of messages from people wondering where I was and it's really nice that my absence was noticed so thank you so much for getting in touch with me and I'm back and what I'm going to share with you today is that I've got a 20th anniversary coming up not marriage uh this Saturday coming is the 20th anniversary of the day that I had major surgery I had to have a hysterectomy. I was 30 and it was one of the hardest things I think that's ever happened to me. It was devastating, absolutely heartbreaking. And of course, it meant that I couldn't couldn't have children and I had just been wanting children for so long in my life. And it was just I thought it was the end of me. I actually thought it was the end of me. I remember thinking in the weeks after the surgery when I was recovering and it was major abdominal surgery. So I had weeks on the sofa with different family members coming to visit and stay with me while Richard was working. And it was, I was just so sad. And I remember just eating, eating, eating just to, you know, placate my sadness, which it didn't, by the way. (laughs) But um, I ate anyway. And I remember really clearly thinking, I'll never be happy again. I'll never smile again and mean it. You know, I was always good at putting on, putting on an act, but I really believed that I would never have joy again, that my heart was broken, permanently broken, and I would never smile. I wouldn't, I, you know, and I remember looking at myself even in the months and, and years, uh, not long after the operation, looking at myself and thinking, I've lost my sparkle. And I'll never get it back. I'll never, ever get it back. This is too big and too huge to recover from. And 20 years on, I have to confess that my heart is still broken. And I don't think that my heart will ever mend. I don't think I will ever really understand why God decided that I would never have children. And even though there are benefits of Rich and I, only having to worry about each other and look after each other. We don't have to worry about a legacy in that sense. We don't have to worry about providing for a small family, uh, which I, you know, I know must be hard for for young families at the moment. We've we've been able to move. We've moved a lot in our marriage and we've been able to just kind of suit ourselves. And in that sense, we've had that blessing of of that freedom of not having to worry about anybody other than ourselves and each other. We've lived wherever we wanted to live and we've made financial decisions that have made things quite difficult. 
But, you know, it's just us. We, you know, we can manage. We can manage. We didn't have to worry about school uniforms and school books and anything. You know, I, you know, we were able to just kind of suck it in and do what we needed to do. So there have been benefits and we have had freedoms. But I also know that we've missed out on great joy. We've missed out on the wonderful joy of bringing a child into the world and being able to love them and raise them. I look at my sisters and brothers and my nieces and nephews now raising their children and the joy of being with, you know, my nieces and nephews and their children. I just love it. I absolutely love spending time with the kids and they've brought such joy to the family and they bring such joy to me. And every time I hear that someone's expecting, I always have a little moment and it's not a pity party. It really isn't. I don't maybe it used to be, but it's not anymore. I find that what I. I just need to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that it still hurts, that it's something I will never experience and that it's, it's something that was never for me. Um, Yeah, and I it's hard sometimes, but I love all of my babies. They know that and I love spending time with the kids. So I kind of wanted to reflect on those 20 years and how things have changed. And um, in some ways, things haven't changed. In some ways, things are exactly the same in the sense that there is a, a an emotional wound that I don't think will ever really fully heal. And in all of that, through all of that, I see that I have gotten stronger, that I have grown, that I've had opportunities to do things that maybe parenthood wouldn't have given me the opportunities to do. Um, And, you know, the last 20 years have been a journey. And I think no matter what, you know, everyone's got something in their lives that can potentially break them, I think. At some stage in your life, you hit grief, you hit difficulty. And you you wonder how you will ever heal and you heal. Um, Like many wounds, there's still a scar, there's still a weakness, but you you get used to a new life, you get used to a new normal. Um, And it took me a long time to really come to terms with the fact that I would not be a mother. We tried to adopt after that and that didn't work out for various reasons some of those reasons were to do with my weight (laughs) which is another story but yeah it was um it was quite clear you know by the mid-2000s that parenthood was not going to be something we were going to be gifted with so it took a it took a while for me to really recover from that and to um this is going to sound terrible, but to forgive God <laughs> for that. Imagine thinking that God needs forgiveness for anything. But uh, yeah, it took a long time for me to not be angry. I used to pretend I wasn't angry with God. I used to, oh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And and I used to pretend that I was fine with it. And, you know, his will is perfect. And, and it took me a long time to say, I believe his will is perfect and mean it. I said it a long time uh, without meaning it because I felt I needed to be a good witness and I needed to be a good Christian and I need. But actually, what I have found is that the best way to be a good, if there's such a thing as a good Christian, is to be an honest one, is to be an open one. And is to actually 
say how you really feel and be who you really are. And I'm a better Christian when I do that. I'm a better Christian when I'm honest and open. And I think it was really only when I started to acknowledge my anger with God and my frustration and my confusion with him. I think that was it was only then was the start of my recovery when I started to be honest with myself and others that I wasn't fine with God's will for my life, that I absolutely hated God's will for my life in the children department anyway. But it was the start of the journey, acknowledging my frustration, acknowledging my anger and my displeasure with God's will for my life actually became my starting point of recovery and acceptance. And whether you're a a Christian or not, I I really feel, certainly from my experience, that acknowledging the problem and acknowledging the thing that we're struggling with is the beginning of dealing with it. I think if we push it down, if we, you know, push it down really, really deep and really far, it just, it'll just sit there. It doesn't go away. We might cover it up with stuff, but it, it doesn't go away. It needs to be brought out into the light. And even recently, something from many, many years ago in my life that I thought I would have been absolutely fine with now has kind of reared its head more recently. And I thought, gosh, I was so sure that I had kind of, oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Let's move on. But actually, I find the the more time goes on and the closer that I get to God and the more I let God into my life, the more he wants to deal with and the more he wants to unearth and clean out. It's like like a, a, a wound that's infected and you think the only way to deal with it is to clean it out. And that's painful. If you get a splinter, the only way to to stop that from getting worse is to get that splinter out. But it's painful getting a splinter out. It's painful cleaning out a wound that, that's uh, that's dirty or that's become infected. But that's it's only when you do that can the healing start. Because as long as you leave that splinter in your finger, it will hurt and, and it will potentially get worse and worse. And I really feel that in my experience, it's been like that with my emotions. The longer I bury stuff, the longer I sit on stuff, the uh, the worse it gets. And it's only when you start to actually address it and I start to clean that wound and put some antiseptic on that wound. And that'll, and it stings, doesn't it? You know, put some antiseptic on it on a cut and it stings. But but in the stinging, it's being cleaned. All of the potentially infectious gunk is being dealt with. And I think we need to do that in our emotions. And I have said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a mentor, I'm not trained in anything. So if there's something that you feel you need to deal with, you need to go and get professional help. It's not something that just listening to me is, is going to is going to sort out, you know. But if there's something that you need dealt with, like I, I shared in a previous episode that I have decided I'm going to go for some more counselling. It was helpful before and I think it's time that I went and had some more because it's good to, to clean those old wounds out. So looking again at these at these 20 years, and, and I think in the last few years, God finally, after all the years of all the things I've gone through and all the things I've, all the ways I've tried to deal with my weight, it's only in the last five years that God has really spoken to me about my eating. And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, five years later, why haven't you lost all your weight? Well, that's an excellent question. <laughs> Um, but 
I, I don't think it's a case of, oh, yeah, once once we start addressing that, that'll be fine. I think it does happen for some people, but I'm not one of those people, I'm afraid. But the, the difference is now that um, I'm letting him address it. I'm letting him speak to me. I am. I'm let I'm I'm responding to him and trying to allow him to do what he wants to do. So 20 years on from that major surgery that very nearly broke me. I I feel so much stronger. I feel so much better. I I I can say with all honesty, I trust in God's will for my life. I don't understand it, <coughs> but I trust it and I accept it and Rich and I have a great life. And we love each other very much. In fact, we love each other more than we did 10 years ago and a lot lot more than we did 20 years ago. Sometimes I wonder how we ever got married. (laughs) We knew so little about each other. And yet over the years, God has been so faithful to us and has given us a wonderful life together. So 20 years on, I can say that God has restored me and made me strong and given me what I need to accept his will and given me great blessings. And I'm really grateful for that. And, and, you know, still, I'm still on the journey with food. In fact, last night I was out for dinner with a, a gang of ladies um, from the church we used to go to. There's almost 50 of us went out for dinner and it was wonderful to catch up. It's been great, hasn't it, over the last few months of we, as we've started to meet people face to face and as we've started to spend time with people again outdoors and in restaurants and in our homes it's been really wonderful so there was a big gang of us and um, I one of the uh, ladies at our table had been given the uh, the wrong meal she'd been given uh, salad instead of chips with her meal so she asked is there any way that I could have have a few chips so um, this uh, lady brought out this giant bowl of chips (laughs) And from the moment that that bowl of chips <laughs> was on the table, I was consumed. I'm thinking, why am I like this? It was so frustrating. I was consumed by the bowl of chips. And I was like, I wish that somebody would come and take that big bowl of chips away because I just want to stick my face in it and eat every single one of them. And I'd had my dinner and my dessert was on its way, but I could not take my eyes off this massive bowl of chips. And... It was the last thing to be taken off the table. I mean, honestly, I think somebody was trying to drive me insane. Everybody finished? Everybody take the... Yeah, 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 please take our plates. And I'm like, brilliant. She's going to take the plates and she's going to take the bowl of chips away. She takes all the plates except the lady who'd had the bowl of chips because she was late sitting down for her dinner because she was welcoming people who were arriving. And that bowl of chips sat on the table for what felt like six weeks. And what I wanted to do was say, can I have... Do you mind if I dip into that? But And I knew if I did it, I would just eat them all. I knew I would eat them all. So I said, if I ask that question, if I ask, can I push that bowl over to me and let me have a few of those extra chips? I knew I wouldn't be able to stop eating. So I didn't. I didn't ask. But my goodness, I really wanted that bowl of chips to be taken off the table. And as I was sitting there, now we were chatting, I was chatting with different people and it was, re- you know, it was really nice. It was lovely to be there. But all the time I was thinking, why, why won't somebody come and take the bowl of chips off the table? I could not take my eyes off it. Like I couldn't take it. I was consumed by it. And I was sitting there chatting away to people, one eye on the person I was chatting to, the other eye on the chips. And kind of in between conversations when there were, you know, moments of quiet, 
I was thinking, Lord, why, why, why? Nobody else on the table was looking at the chips. I can't imagine anyone on the table even knew they were still there. And I was like, Lord, why, why can't I just stop? And then I thought, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop looking at it. I'm going to stop. I am not having those chips. I'm going to stop looking at the chips and I'm going to get into a conversation with somebody else and stop. thinking. And I thought that's. I mean, I wouldn't call it a breakthrough. I think a breakthrough was probably too big a word for it. But I felt it was a win. I felt it was a little win over my desire to eat every single one of those chips in the bowl. And what I've realized is that this is for me, this is what it comes down to is is the individual decision, the individual desire, the individual moment where I had this crossroads in my life. (laughs) Am I going to go down the chip road? Or am I going to turn in a different direction? And I didn't. And even when when the lady went to take the bowl of chips finally off the table, I was so tempted to say, oh, I'll just grab a couple of them before we go. And I thought, no, let it go. Let, let the chips go. Let them go, Amory. Um, so, yeah, but it just, one, it highlighted to me that I'm as obsessed as I ever was. But two, it highlighted to me that if I actually can can take control even just for a moment that I can just make a decision to stay in control that that moment can pass me by and it's like well big deal it was only a few chips but the problem is it's a few chips today and an extra slice of bread tomorrow and um an extra couple of potatoes that day and and this is the problem it's it's every meal and every opportunity of of increased food and I think since I've accepted the fact, and it's it's similar really to the previous issue I was talking about, is that since I've accepted the fact that I am obsessed, rightly or wrongly, for good or for bad, I am obsessed with food. Now that I've accepted that, acknowledged that, I feel better armed to deal with it. And that's what I did last night after spending, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes completely absorbed by that bowl of chips. I said, I have to stop. I have to stop fixating on that bowl of chips and just think about something else. But I can tell you, I had one eye on them till the moment they were taken off the table. But there we go. Anyway, listen, thank you so much again for listening. Thank you so much for being with me. Oh, my goodness, I almost forgot. How could I forget Frankie, what is that about? Yes, indeed. What is that about? And before I share my what's that about, if you haven't already seen it, go to Lisa Keeley. She'll kill me. Lisa Keeley on Instagram, L-I-Z-A-K-E-E-L-E-Y and have a look at Frankie's video making French toast. It's absolutely hilarious. But my what's that about? It's quite short today. It's basically the weather. What is that about? Why at the end of June and into July am I wearing socks and jeans and jumpers? I'm in a big fleece now here recording this because I'm absolutely freezing. It is freezing. It is nearly July. Where is the summer, Frankie? What is that about? Exactly. What's that about? What is the story with the weather? Any meteorological... Is that right? Meteorological experts out there can tell me why it feels like October. Anyway... That's all I have to say about that. Thank you so much for listening. So glad to have you back with me. Next week, we're going to have part two of the KJ Way interview, 
where Karen Jane spoke to us about mindfulness. So if you didn't hear the mindfulness interview, make sure to go back and have a listen to that. And we'll have part two of that where she talks about the different types of hunger and how mindfulness can help with those. So looking forward to that. For now, I take my leave. If you want to get in touch with me, annemariemiles.co.uk. You can contact me there. You can listen to other episodes of the podcast. You can buy me a coffee, check out my books. You can find me on social media at amowriting, A-M-O-W-R-I-T-I-N-G. And that's it for me this week. Take care. Bye-bye.